0: The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit fef.law.
1: Hello, friends. Thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we'll review two very different but equally disappointing draws. We'll also preview the upcoming Colorado Rapids match, and we'll cover some other Austin FC news. My name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley.
0: Hey everybody, I'm Jeremiah Bentley and Landon. I'm very happy to be back from Las Vegas and uh recording in the back bedroom because I'm a little bit tired, even still from then. And I'm more excited to say that we are joined by some local celebrities, Aggie from the Fighting Leslie's, Trevor Garrett, and Jesse from uh Poyo FC and the one and only Polio. Polio, how you doing?
1: Ooh. Oh he's um oh. he's he's happy to be here. Well, is that what he said, Jesse? Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, in yeah. a sense. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Uh, well, yeah, guys, thanks so much uh, for joining us. Uh, Poyo FC fighting Leslie's are two things that just I've we said this on the show a few weeks ago that even in times like this when the team is really bad and and things are in the Austin FC community feel a little bit dark your two organizations are things that I think are just like pure joy and just bring a lot of light to the community, which I really, really appreciate. And what makes it even better is y'all are joining together with Austin Beerworks to to, uh, to use your forces for good and for a good cause. So uh, I guess Poyo crew over here, do y'all want to tell us why you're here, what you're promoting uh, and why it's important? So the hope is to put a really cool, beer can in people's hands with also equally delicious beer and then get everyone to buy a bunch of cool stuff and then take that money and then put it into mobile loaves and fishes and help them build a couple more houses because they're doing a lot of good stuff over there. And it's a really cool partnership. It's cool to break away from doing a lot of the animal work and then branching off to a different segment. It was a suggestion from beer works to branch out and go help them out a bit. And it seemed like a really cool project. And then, Having, of course, the fighting Leslie's there,
2: it's a perfect partnership. So that's, that's what they're totally all about. Yeah.
0: So, Polio, why is this partnership really important to you? Mm-hmm. I didn't really understand that. Uh, oh, big shot. Big shot.
1: Yeah, yeah. Does he, does he not want to answer any of Jeremiah's questions? I don't know. Yeah, that's I think so. He's no. emotional. So he's still emotional. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yesterday's draw was a tough one for him.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. Well, uh, Aggie, do you want to tell us some of the details about when this event's going on, how people can get their hands on this beer?
2: Yes. Uh, you can get your hands on this beer by coming to Austin Beer Works Saturday, September 30th at 7 p.m. Uh, it will be a watch party for the Colorado Rapids game. And we will be selling fighting pollo pills uh, and some merchandise, uh, limited quantities of just about all of it. So beer, uh, bandanas, t shirts, koozies, lots of stuff. Um, We're trying to make it a family friendly event um, with some arts and crafts and some games, uh, you know, and just not your exact typical watch party, but you know, something to get people out, have some fun uh, for a good cause over there at the Community First Village.
1: Yeah, we got to see the can art and it's I love all of Austin Beer can art. It's always great. But then if you add in fighting Leslie's and Pollo, just these two like uh, just like these epic like icons of of different types of graphics and visuals that you all use in all of your stuff and then mix that together onto an Austin Bjorks can. It's, it's exactly what I, what, it's like better than I could have ever hoped it would be. And so <laughs> sure. I can't, I can't wait to get my hands on the can. And then also to see some of the merch that y'all mentioned. And as they said, this is all going to mobile loaves and fishes. This is uh and it is mobile loaves and fishes. And what
2: else? I'm sorry. Community. Oh, it's, Mo- it's mobile loaves and fishes community first village. It's, there you it's go. Support of the community first village, which is a, segment of mobile loves and fishes.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. So good cause, good beer, good art, good people like these folks here. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. I can't uh can't wait to get my hands on the beer and to see you find folks again one more time.
2: Of course. Likewise. Likewise thanks for having us. so much. Thanks, guys. Uh, he says, little, thanks. Little, he says thanks. He says farewell. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: Always glad to see those guys, Jeremiah. I am not entirely sure what you did or said to Pollo, but he apparently doesn't like you very much.
0: Yeah, and I think it's kind of a mystery. I feel like every interaction, I've been fair with Pollo, and I we'll see, we'll see how this all resolves itself. If it does. All right, should we jump into the
1: news? Yes, let's get into some news. All right, so Austin FC two. We've been saying this for weeks and weeks that they just need to win a game to uh to clinch third place spot. So they go up to Arlington play North Texas SC. They go down three nil. There's a big rain delay or a big weather delay. They play for 10 more minutes, another big weather delay. And I think they end up kicking off around 11, something not long before uh, the first team the first game. Team finally kicked gets off, off. Yeah. Uh, which we'll get into shortly, but um, ended up losing three, one overall uh, sporting Kansas city drew against St. Louis um, and won the penalty shootout, which bumped them up into the third spot. So Austin FC two is not guaranteed a home playoff spot. Those playoffs will kick off this coming weekend. Uh, The matchups will come out on Tuesday, the day this comes out. So we don't know what those are yet. You may know by the time you're listening to this, but Austin FC two could still, Get a home playoff game if the second or third seed do not choose to play them as their opponent. So uh, still a decent chance that Austin FC, two will be playing a playoff game at home this coming weekend. So look at that. Um, I as long as there's not weird. I don't know if it's going to match up with the first team game. It very well could. But if there's not, I imagine there's going to be a decent little crowd out at, at Palmer Field.
0: Yeah, be a play, be a playoff action. I love the uh, that the thing in the press release said the uh, date, time, and location will be announced in due course with the specifics <laughs> of it. <laughs> I've, never, um, I've never seen a, a note quite written that way.
1: So one thing worth mentioning on the Austin FC2 game is Damian Loss has been on the bench for the first team the last couple of games. Um, the last time, they didn't play on the same day, and so he was able to start one and then be on the bench for the other. This time, they play on the same day, and so... Spencer Sanderson, who is an academy player, 17 years old, gets the start in goal. Uh, Dallas scored three goals. I think two of them, there's probably not much anybody was going to do about them. They're giveaways in the buildup, some disappointing defending leading to a shot that, and then just a really well-taken shot on two of them. Maybe the third one, it's hard to say just because you don't get different angles in these games, but um. But yeah, they. I. I. I think either way, they're probably missing Damian. Lost there, but like we said, that's
0: just gonna kind of be part of it with this. With this team. Yeah, that's right. And so, that, and we. Do you think that's the reason why we had to call up the, two um, academy goal... Wait, the what one academy goalkeeper and another, um, goalkeeper right out of the roster because Austin FC two was so thin at this point. Yeah, Not maybe. So
1: yeah, they they signed uh, Nico. Aristi Sabal, who was the U15 goalkeeper whenever they won uh, GA cup. And then a guy named Greg Monroe, who's a college player and both two amateur deals, meaning they uh, are, aren't being paid as professionals, but in like Nico's case, he can still go to college and not lose his eligibility for playing pro. Uh, That's what it means. But yeah, I think that probably does mean that like going forward, maybe they have other plans for Damian, whether it be with the first team or elsewhere,
0: but it seems like they're kind of preparing for him not to be there all the time. Yeah. And we don't really know. We can, I think we can get into this now. Like why Matt Bersano hasn't been in the lineup other than there was like picture of him training with like a wrap around his wrist, but it's been nothing official come out about an injury, right? Yeah. I, nothing been announced.
1: Uh, I think there's like two likely scenarios, which is one he's maybe injured and uh, isn't ready to go. But again, seeing the video of him in training, you'd think if he's training, he's good enough to sit on the bench. Right. Um, the other theory, which I don't know if it's how true it is, but I think we talked about on the show, how whenever Rodolfo Burrell came into the team and a a few weeks in, we start seeing some changes on the second team. That's when Jackson Walty gets traded. They, uh, they sold, uh, is Eric Lopez the old backup goalkeeper for Austin FC2 yep. sell him? So, some of these older guys who had been starting every game had these spots, they're either sold have been put on the bench. You see CJ up with this with the first team more often. You see some uh, quite a few changes. And I like, I have a theory that Burrell is pushing for kind of a youth movement across the whole system here. And so, maybe that's part of it too, is they want Damien to get up with the first team, spend time with the first team, and then push some younger players
0: into the second team. Well, and then in other Rodolfo Burrell news that I have, uh, he was also in the Lexus Club during the pouring rainstorm <laughs> on Sunday night, and apparently loves him some cartitas tacos, because I, I saw him go back at least twice my the man. line. And yeah, I know. Look, who who does it? But it's, <laughs> it's glad to see that he's adopted that bit of Texas culture. Uh,
1: all right, last bit of news was the uh, Bobby Jones... Do you remember what the rest of the initials here stand for? <laughs>
0: I do, but I cannot like pronounce them. So I was just going to leave it. It was the, it? the fundraiser. Syringo Myelia Foundation. How does it sound?
1: Sounds great. Uh, but it was the Cornhole Tournament fund, fundraiser that Brad Stuver was a part of. Went out, got to chat with a lot of great people, got to talk with uh, our friends, Ron and Leanne Stuver, who are always a joy. And so that was a nice uh a nice little event. They raised, I think was it $7,000 what they ended up raising? Yeah, I think
0: the number just came out. I think today, and it was $7,000. So a successful event in terms of fundraising, too. Beautiful.
1: All right, well, Jeremiah, I think we should take a break. We'll come back and talk about the two games from the last week. When no
2: one is around.
1: Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC.
0: FVF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. You can go to fvf.law to find out what makes FVF a different kind of
1: injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's fvf.law. Amplify Credit Union is a member-owned financial cooperative that served the needs of Central Texans for over five decades. Amplify's team lives and works in the community, making them the
0: experts on how members can achieve their financial goals. What makes Amplify different? No bank fees. Amplify is the first financial institution in Texas to put an end to bank fees. In 2022, Americans paid almost $8 billion in overdraft fees alone. Millennials pay an average of $336 a year in bank fees, which works out to six Austin FC game tickets. Per person, per year. We also like what five and a half of those no comply jerseys, which I wore on yeah. Sunday night and continue to love. So if you can still find one, get one of those. You'll pay none of those bank fees with Amplify Credit Union. Amplify membership is open to any Texas resident. Learn to trust your bank again at Amplify
1: Credit Union. To learn more, go to www.goamplify.com GoAmplify. Com/MoonTower.
0: And what else can they find at that link, Jeremiah? At that link, they will listeners will also find a entry form for. Free parking. It amplifies Esperanza. Batch minutes minutes away from the stadium for any Moon Tower listener. Visit the website. Provide your email address and details about your car for free parking. Please RSVP so that amplifies Facility teams knows not to tow your car. And we have a new sponsor alert. This is Maguire Woods Consulting. So we're happy to bring uh, McGuire Woods Consulting on as a premier sponsor. They help companies and nonprofits navigate the political process at the Texas Capitol, or take it for whatever you wish, and also at the city and national level through lobbying, communication strategies, and general advocacy. With offices across the country
1: and in 10 MLS cities, including Austin, Houston, and Dallas, McGuire Woods Consulting is solidly verde and black. Learn more about our friends at McGuire Woods Consulting at mwcllc.com. All right, we are back. Before we get into the crazy night that was Sunday night in Austin, Texas, with the rain delay and the storm. We have a, another game to talk about, which was the New York Red Bulls game. Uh, this was away on Wednesday. Austin drew 1-1, which continued the winless streak. Um, It's like a, a draw that, I like when we were talking a few weeks ago and like looking ahead, we kind of said like this game away at New York if everything else goes well, like that could be the one kind of like rotate people or if we can like get a point out of it, that's great. And so we got that point, but because we lost against Portland in the way that we did, like this point did not feel very good.
0: Right. And I, Cause I think when we were talking about results, we even mentioned it like this point is the point that we'll get Austin from like, uh, out, like out of even, you know, for like ninth to eighth and in, in a good spot. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was just, I did not watch this live. I watched it back on the replay. Um, and it was just Austin Like really dead at attack almost all the way around. I mean, um, so it was, just, it was, it was a tough one, I guess. I mean, you're playing like Red Bulls. Did you feel like that was, it was it like energy drink soccer that won no. the day. Well, I guess mean, didn't win the day, but, but it was, seemed like strange from the Red Bulls too, right? The way they played.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, we can let us get into that about like how we lined up and how we set up against them. Because I think like I could see what Austin was trying to do and I don't think it was a bad idea, but we'll get into why maybe it didn't work. And uh like, yeah, the reasons why a good idea didn't necessarily pay off. So coming into this one, we had Julio Cascante suspended for yellow card accumulation, Matt hedges, Adam Lundquist, Kip Keller and Will Bruin all out with injuries. So they called up Joe Hafferty from the second team for on a short term loan. He was on the bench there, did not end up playing, but was there if needed. So we ended up the starting lineup was Brad Stuver in goal. And then this is another one of those lineups where we got a list of names and we're trying to put puzzle pieces together and figure out, OK, how are they actually going to line up here? And I feel like this was like an even a
0: newer one. This was not like a, a standard one that we've even seen before. Yeah, I went to three different websites today to try to like mostly to the seed, like Owen Wolf at left back. Cause that, that's what everybody, Twitter, all the web, all the MLS, MLS soccer.com and FOP MOB and the other one I looked at, like all had him there. Like, what did you do? You have a educated, I would, guess I would say
1: the, the way I saw it was Owen Wolf, not at left back, but at wing back. I know it's shades of gray here, but. The way I saw it was a 5-2-3, a, a more or less. So it was in the middle. We had Alex Ring as, like, the left center back. Leo Weissen is the center center back. Nick Lima as the right center back. And then John Gallagher as the right wing back. Owen Wolf as a left wing back. And then ahead of them, you had Danny Pereira, Johan Valencia, and then a front three of Vergoni, Berruti, and Driusi. And those Rigoni tended to stay left, but then Drew, and Uruti were pretty fluid and kind of floating around each other and moving into different spaces as they saw fit. But they were playing much more conservative. And so you talk about energy drink soccer like they don't want the ball. And this is like a team where a lot of their strategy is not having the ball. It's getting the ball into certain parts of the field, winning duels, and then trying to get a shot off as soon as they can. And in this game, Red Bulls ended up with 61% of the possession. And I think it was even higher than that in the first half. And so this is a a strategy that is shown to work against these types of teams, like teams who don't want the ball, give them the ball and make them beat you with it. Um, So like in theory, this is a strategy that can work against this team. What ended up happening is Austin was maybe being a little bit too passive and just invited a lot of pressure on themselves. So they were sitting deep. Red Bulls ended up having the ball in their half, creating a lot of chances, really putting them under pressure over and over. And the part where, like, even that part of it is fine. If you get them to come forward and come into your half, if you can then hit them on the counterattack, that is where the strategy pays off. And Austin would win the ball. They would launch a ball up. And I think it was a combination of uh the front three not always making a great run if they did make a, a decent run either the pass wasn't very good or the red bulls players were in decent position and cut it out and so like for one of those three reasons over and over and over Austin would win the ball they try to launch a counterattack and it would just go nowhere and so like again like good plan in theory but if you can't do that second part then it's absolutely useless <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, the execution was definitely lacking. Um, so, you want to let's talk about this own goal from Emiliano Rigoni, because I feel like that was a, I don't know, I feel like that was unfortunate. Emiliano Rigoni was in an unfortunate place for that goal, right?
1: Yeah, this uh, Rigoni should not get any any shade or hate for this one. It is totally not his fault. Um, so, John Gallagher commits a foul in like dangerous free kick territory. And then on the free kick Gallagher is the one who loses his man. I can't remember who it is who re- receives the ball on the back end, but I think Gallagher runs like kind of floats into the box. As the ball comes in, he thinks the ball is going to come into the box, but ends up going over his head and he's completely lost track of the guy. He was marking who ends up bringing it down, smashing it into the six yard box. And Ragoni is like retreating towards the goal. And the ball essentially just hits him in the leg and goes in. And like from that, from that range and that position at that speed, like there's nothing Rigoni can do at that point. But what could have been done is having a tighter mark on that guy who received on the back post and not letting him
0: get that that cross in at all. Yeah, and I feel like that that will continue. That not not being tight enough on defense, defenses Athena will continue through all the goals this week. I think when we get into the second game too, there was a yeah. lot of that also from a lot of different players. So that is a trend for this week's matches for sure. Yeah. So. Uh, we don't need to spend a ton
1: of time on this. I mean, as far as just kind of overall takeaways from this one, I just talked about why this strategy didn't work. And this is one of those things where like if if we had like done this more, you feel like the team would have been a bit more prepared to actually pull it off in a game like this uh but there's been so many games for so long where that didn't happen like the coaching staff and like the game plan was very
0: dogmatic about like no we're gonna try to play our game and well right we heard that especially a lot last year right which maybe i mean it worked a lot earlier in the year but we hear that a lot about yeah we're just gonna we're gonna play our game and they'll have to react to us yeah. Um, and like I having a
1: plan B is important, but if you don't ever do it and it's not something you work or don't have personnel for, like when you just try to do it randomly like this, like, yeah, it's a good idea if you can pull it off, but if you
0: don't pull it off, then you're, you're happy to get a draw in the end. So the the Austin goal came in the first half. Also, it's Sebastian Jurisi goal. Um, it's his 10th of the season. So we, I think we talked last week about how he's been a, a little bit under the radar. I feel like he definitely popped out a little bit this week. Um, in terms of performance, this one was assisted by Johan Valencia. Also on a very good runner form. And somebody, I think when we did the, who we wanted to play in the rest of the season show, I did want him to start. And I want to change my opinion from like three weeks ago now. And <laughs> do you want him to? Uh, and Rigoni also uh, on, on this assist.
1: Yeah, this is a corner. And th- this is, I think what Austin tries to do in most corners where they'll play it kind of short to the near post hope to get it on someone's head and like flick it onto the back post where there's people rushing onto the goal there. And this was perfectly executed where Valencia arrives. The service was good. Does a perfect little flick header onto the back post. Valencia arrives or sorry, Drizzi arrives, heads it in to the far post. And so perfectly executed. I feel like Rigoni had a one or two games there where his, his corner delivery and set piece delivery was not good. And I feel like the last couple of games that's been, at least one one bright spot that that is improving that he's looked better in those moments. I mean, like, what else is there to say about this one? Like, I, maybe let's move on to the Galaxy game and we can kind of give some overall
0: takeaways about where we're at. <laughs> I think that's probably that's probably the best thing to do. That there was not a lot uh, that came that came out of this first match. Um, I don't even remember that much out of this first match after sort of everything that went on last night. So let's talk about the Galaxy.
1: Yeah. So this one. Was supposed to start just before 9 p.m. Uh, we get seeing radars, seeing news alerts come in that there's gonna be a crazy storm coming. Right before kickoff is about to happen. They finally announced a delay. Uh, I was in the stadium when the storm was going off. I think you were were you gone or were you tucked in the, the Lexus Club there?
0: I was in the stadium when the storm was going off, and we were we were actually like standing out on the concourse when things were blowing from north to south because the Lexus Club was like blocking the wind, but then it started, like, swirling and coming from every direction, and it was nuts, and I think that was when some of the hail started coming down. Yeah, it was somehow... we We wanted to take advantage of the good seats.
1: Somehow raining in a circle at one point where we were up in the, like, the eastern terrace there, and like, in the middle under the canopy, and there was still rain falling directly on my head somehow. I don't understand how it happened, but it got like, really intense in there for a while. We... We hung we stuck it out through all that. And then they made one announcement, like, oh, the the lightning's gonna be gone at this time. And then they made another announcement, lightning's gonna be gone at this time, and the game's probably gonna start at like 30. This is like 1020 or something. And we're like, all right, we're out, we're going home. <laughs> uh Ashley had an international fight to catch today, and my parents were with us and had to go do some work stuff early this morning. So we're like, Yeah, we're not sticking around for an 1130 kickoff. Uh kudos to all the folks who did. Uh, y'all still Kept it a lot of fun and had some good energy in there, but I couldn't do it, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I love, so the video I shot and posted on the Moon Tower soccer account yesterday, that was from on the concourse right outside of the uh, Lexus Club. And I wish I had a shot for like 10 more seconds because it was right before the power went out. Oh. <laughs> and you had this great, it was, you had this great visual of like the drums and the LEDs all still being lit and the rest of the stadium being completely dark and the crowd going crazy, which was just, it was insane. But yeah, man, <laughs> shout out to all the people that stuck around.
1: All right. So the lineup for this one uh ended up being wait, Cascante's back from uh from suspension. So this one ended up kind of being the like shorthand, let's call it the box midfield. So in attack, it was like the three, two, two, three. And then in defense, they were shifting back more to kind of like a straight four-four-two. And so that ended up being um, kind of the folks you would expect. So the midfield was Valencia and Pereira as the deeper ones, Alex Ring, Sebastian Drusi as the attacking midfielders, and then you had Ethan Finley as the winger who was staying high, John Gallagher would be kind of become the other winger, and then Emiliano Rigoni playing as the striker. And I thought Rigoni had, like, a decent game at striker again. Much better than he's been playing anywhere else lately,
0: anyway. Yeah, I think maybe you're right. I mean, I don't know if it's just the being direct or what, but um, I don't know what are, as his uh injury situation is for the rest of the year, but this seems like... Well, and the same thing with Matt Hedges. Like, this is maybe the best 11 that Austin can roll out just on a, on a regular game basis. Like, this seemed like a pretty strong starting lineup. Maybe it's because Austin needed to get... Um, needed really get a result and, and chase a victory. And I also thought it was interesting, like the way they played in this game, at least for the first 80 minutes, was very different from Red Bulls um, and very different from like how Austin's lined up throughout the year. But this was like an attacking playmaking kind of Austin roster.
1: Yeah, and as you said, Matt Hedge is still out, uh, but Cascante back so we could play two Proper center backs, and then have Nick Lima kind of in that flex role there. As far as how this game went, like, I mean, it looked like it kicked off at 11:30 p.m. Um, the Galaxy, especially for the first little bit, looked like they were sleepwalking through the game, and I think Austin was able to take advantage of that a few times, and then maybe got taken advantage of later on for the exact same reason. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think we've we mentioned this off air, but uh, right. Austin had some guys later on that looked tired even they should have been tired because they hadn't been in very long. And that reminds me also, in addition to the fans, uh, Weston Applefeller and the groundskeeping crew deserve a lot of credit for this game even going on at all. Because, I mean, it was, the field was like a lake. As I saw Evil Mopac say there was more water on the field than there is in Lake Travis right now. <laughs> um, and then by the time it finally started, I mean, it wasn't, there weren't puddles anywhere, right? The, it was it was wet, and it was still a little bit slippery still, but the field was pretty dry, given how much rain had come down.
1: Yeah, it wasn't
0: like a noticeable issue during the game. Although um, I would say that in two minutes in, when John Gallagher got his yellow card, I feel like the field had as much to do with that as John Gallagher did. Yeah, maybe we so. <laughs> kind of overslid a little bit, and if the field had been drier, it, the, the contact wouldn't have looked like it did.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's let's run through kind of this first little set of goals. I think the more interesting talking points come in the later goals. Uh, so Alex Ring gets the first one in the 11th minute. This is a, a cross comes in from Galler from the left side, uh, finds Ragoni, who I think is trying to like kind of trap it and bring it down on his foot. And it just I, kind I was of gonna like
0: ask you that. Yeah,
1: he miscontrols it a little bit, which is lucky because it falls right into Alex Ring's path. Rigoni notices this and just backs off and lets him have it. And ring hits it really nicely and kind of curls it into that far post. I, I don't, again, I defer to a goalkeeper here. I don't know if bond should have maybe done a little better. He gets a hand on it, but um, it's, it's just fingertips kind of right. And it still trickles through after he gets it. But the strike either way was really, really nice from ring on that one. Uh, Second goal equalizer comes right at the end of the first half. Uh, It's a Ricky Pooj penalty. This one, Pouge is set up to receive with his back to goal at the edge of the penalty, uh, the 18 yard box. Uh, Cascante steps up to kind of challenge him, steps on his foot and they're showing the replay over and over. And it's like, it's one of those really annoying ones where it's like not a hard foul, but it's one you have to call because he does clear his day, stomp on his foot. And uh, it like, inhibits him from taking the next step to carry that ball on after his first touch. And so like, you have to call it. And then Pooj comes on, takes the, takes the penalty. Stuver guesses the right way, but it's far enough down his body that he it's hitting, it hits him in the legs. It doesn't, he can't get hands on it. And so you're kind of at the mercy of the bounce at that point. And so it, it hits him in the legs, but bounces over and still goes in. So a little unfortunate uh, on both the penalty and, happening at all. And then the way that like, it wasn't that well taken and Stuver
0: guess is right, but it still gets in. So uh, a little unfortunate all all around on that one. Yeah. the You mentioned on the edge of the box. I mean, if it was two feet further up the field, he, Ricky Pooch would not have been inside the box. I mean, it was like right on the edge of the box. I had some yeah. brief moment of hope that maybe he, his foot wasn't like in it, but that definitely turned out to be unfortunate.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, right after that, at the very death of the first half, Ethan Finley, puts Austin ahead again, John Gallagher has a really nice play on this one where he has it over on the left side is carrying it like back away from goal and then turns on. I think it's Kelvin Leardam that's, that's covering him and touches it past him and then cuts in, inside again and, and just gets really close to goal right on the inline line there. And then just kind of hammers it across the face of goal. And I think if nobody would have touched it, it would have just gone through then nobody would have gotten onto it. But Jonathan bond again, gets a, gets a hand, just enough of a hand on it to slow it down, which allows Ethan Finley to fight his way across the face of, um, Raheem Edwards, the other fullback and get like, just outworks him and gets across his face and gets a foot on it. And the ball just slowly rolls into the back of the
0: net, but really good work by both Gallagher and Finley on that one. Yeah. that Gallagher was like when, when I play my son at FIFA and he just has like a guy running in circles around me. (laughs) <laughs> Cause he's just so much better at it than me. like, that's what, like, I felt like we saw that. And then yeah, Finley was, he just got outside of it. And then he kind of like, he slides into the ball too. Like he was, there was, he was on the edge of like being able to, to make that play and just, just had enough to get there. And that was the, was that like the last moment of the first half?
1: I can't remember. Not much happened after that. I don't remember how much they actually let it go on, but not enough to matter. Uh, so yeah, halftime comes and goes. Um, after the half, I think you start to see the Galaxy wake up a little bit uh, and start to threaten a little bit more. Um, we get to the 75th minute and again, taking advantage of a sleepwalking LA Galaxy team and like a very lethargic backline. line. Uh, credit to Emiliano Rigoni, who makes the run, and then credit to Danny Pereira, who sees the run and makes a really nice through ball. But to a back line that's essentially just standing still. <laughs> Uh, but it plays Ragoni through behind. He's in one-on-one on on goal and then strikes it really nicely to beat the keeper. Just like one of those where you just hammer it over the keeper's shoulder as they go down to to make the stop and just sneaks it, sneaks it in right under the crossbar, but hits it really hard and really nicely. So again, uh, take what they give you, but a really nice finish in the end, no matter what.
0: And I think that's what, I think it was Leardum there that was like beaten and sort of threw up a half hearted, a uh, call for an offside <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with like knowing that he wasn't, but just hoping he'd, he'd fallen asleep and gotten beaten so badly. He could plot the ref into like getting a call.
1: Yeah. Uh So Austin ends up making some substitutions not long after this. Jeremiah, I feel like this is one of the big like talking points after the game is some people seem to have issues with the subs that were being made. My question here is like, what else are you going to (laughs) do? It's like me and me and Mike talked about on the show last week about how like we were saying like, okay, it could be this lineup. And Mike was like, well, I don't like that lineup. I was like, okay, well the alternative is this lineup. Well, I don't like that one either. And I feel like that's kind of where we're at as, as a fan base at this point It's like, no matter what lineup goes out, we're not going to like it. No matter what subs are made, we're not going to like it just because that's kind of the state of the team at this point. And so like, I, do you do you have any takes on the subs and like what could have been done differently or better
0: i think they're just i mean my main criticism i think well it's going to come down to like how much you believe josh wall's post game interview let's just like go to that but it was one of the questions that came up i don't remember from who in the post game but somebody asked about the subs and particularly why Danny and Valencia came out? Like, if you're down three, if you're up three one you're trying to like salt out a game, why pull those guys off the field and why not let them go the full 90 Because they were both having really solid performances. And so Josh says, I think both of these guys are cramping. Danny had, you saw him go the other end. He was gassed. That's when we had the goal. We allowed the goal to make it three two. Valencia was cramping and we asked him as he came over and he didn't have much left in the tank. And we were already leaking a little bit in the middle of the pitch. But I think those midfield substitutions, sort of knowing what those guys bring to the table and then was Rodney one of the guys that came in for one of them or did, in I mean, the 90th minute Rodney comes in for Pereira for Pereira like those I would have liked to see those guys try to play the game out but I'm not there on the field and able to see what what's really going on
1: yeah I mean like I yeah if if you're pulling Valencia for tactical reasons or whatever else like yeah I disagree with that but like I thought he was so clearly having such a good game that I like I don't know i I buy that he was saying that he was cramping or whatever. and then if you look at the bench, and a lot of people took took exception to who came on for him, which was Owen wolf and if you look at the bench, he's the only central midfielder on the bench, and so if you're gonna take
0: someone out, it has to be Owen Wolf who goes in right right and I you know, and despite those things, like um, I think we mentioned this in the other game, but like the goal, the, we can, we can get to this in a minute, but like the, the LA goals, like there were other factors and the players that didn't do what they were supposed to do um, that led to those goals. And I, yeah. I, and
1: I mean yeah. it to, to like the, like the point of like the subs, I feel like there's on the last two goals. Let's get into those now. So in the 89th minute, Dan Jovovich scores one. Uh, I'm watching this goal on TV. I see Owen Wolf tracking Jovolec as he enters the box. And then he kind of slows up, kind of in like a – I'm passing him on to Vison in here. But there's still a good, like, five to ten yards in between the two of them. I'm like, Owen, oh, you got to track – you have to keep tracking him. You have to keep tracking him. And they put the cross in, and it gets there before Vison is able to kind of switch over and get back over to him. He heads it in. Uh, I think this is one – I know Stuver made some comments in the post-game thing saying that he thought he should have been better. I think this is one where maybe he could have done better. I don't think that's true for anything else on the night.
0: Right, and he had some really great saves earlier, right? I mean, he had uh, kick yeah, a kick save some really, really nice sharp saves. shot and some other really memorable saves that kept him in it, and that's where I don't love any criticism that people have thrown Brad Stuber's way about this particular performance because still, he's prevented more goals than came in. I think he gets beat on the near post in both these last two goals. But he he wasn't the second
1: second one. There's nothing he can do like that is not on Stewart at all. I think this is the only one where there's even a question. And even then it's a really hard header from like five or six yards out. And so it's tough, but he's there and it's near post. So maybe you say he could do better, but the other ones, I like he made so many good saves and
0: I don't think there's any others that were even close to being his fault. And then the last goal, freaking Michael Barrios, man, no matter where he plays. No matter what he does, I think he's on. Just a lot of it's just he's the kind of player because he's so fast and Austin so slow. It's always going to give Austin trouble, but to see him give up the the game tying goal again is very frustrating.
1: Yeah, and on these two, I, I mentioned earlier that like Austin took advantage of a sleepwalking Galaxy, and the Galaxy took advantage of a sleepwalking Austin FC. Where I'm really frustrated is that it was some of these guys who came on as subs that like we're playing a little bit slow, a little bit lazy and we got punished for it. And so Owen Wolf gives up on, on chasing Joe into the box there on this last one, uh, Leo Vison pulls out to, I think it's Perez is the the guy's name who plays the assist, but
0: he's, he's the guy, he's the guy that has the, the primary assist They Uh, they, then on the corner on the right-hand side on TV. But yeah,
1: yeah. They play him up the line and Vison has to pull out wide to, to mark him as he gets past him towards the inline, like this is the only option he has is to cross and Weissenden isn't aggressive enough and doesn't step up to kind of put pressure on that. Plays just kind of a hopeful ball towards the backside. Memo Rodriguez is tracking Barrios on that backside and kind of slows up his run. And again, like these are moments where you have to be turned on, like, and especially a guy who came on late in the game. I think he came on uh
0: 85
1: yeah so he he's not tired right and so this is just like maybe he's sleepy because it's past midnight at this point but he's not physically tired and he gives up the run and by the time he realizes barrios is streaking past him it's too late he's not going to catch a guy like that had he been paying attention and turned on the whole time he could have cut it out easily but because he kind of slowed up and gave up on it uh barrios beats him and gets there the ball i think it seems like a hopeful thing, but Barrios is smart, smart enough to keep running and get there. Stuvers on the near post because that's where the ball is. And because nobody's back there, he just heads it in easily. And so really frustrating and and annoying. Like, I mean, give him a little bit of slack because of the circumstances of this game, but like guys coming in the second half really shouldn't be beat for effort
0: like that. Yeah. And that, so yeah, I think you're right. Marriguez is there. I think Maxi Arruti came in late and didn't like, he didn't seem like he was, he was like running in quicksand a little bit too. It was just strange at the end of the game from Austin.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just defended Josh Wolf on these substitution choices. And I think one of the reasons I get so annoyed by stuff like this is because there are very clear things that can be criticized in a lot of these games and so like criticize that stuff instead of making stuff up. But uh, I will say there was some really awkward body language on the field this time in just in general, but then in interactions with players and Josh Wolf on the sideline.
0: Yeah, I think for me, that's the biggest note about this it was specifically. I think it was what it was when Finley came out and then
1: when it was came he was coming in too. for
0: halftime. Oh, is that when we come in for halftime? OK, yeah. He had just scored and, he and they came past in from him halftime. Yeah. And Ring like walks right past him. And so that kind of, you know, if you're in the like the vibes went wrong when something happened between Josh Wolf and Alex Ring during the offseason and Ring loses the captain's band and it's kind of been a bad year ever since. Like those interactions were a pretty good thing uh, things in support of your argument for how maybe maybe the locker room is kind of lost on on the coach at this point. Yeah, and, and that's
1: one thing we've said all season, right? Is that, like if we get to that moment, then we're like, yeah, let's I'm fine with getting rid of the coach. And like, so that's gonna be something to watch. Is like what was it uh a product of just like weird circumstances, super late game, or are they are they done with the guy? Uh so watching these last few games, I think will be will be telling, especially if if we end up not like getting eliminated from the playoffs,
0: which yeah, let's talk about that was- now. Okay, I just one, one thing I want to go on that. I mean it may it may be if the results keep going the way they are cuz I mean you could at point you could talk about like okay well some of the, some of these things or a lot of these things are on the players or you know the depth or whatever but I feel like it'll be it'll be inevitable like if Austin completely crashes out and continues the what is it, 72 days or something um yeah if you look at now? the like the form chart it's just all gray bars pointing down. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, right, let's take a break and then we will get into what the playoff race looks like, uh, what Austin needs to do against Colorado, and maybe just a little bit of an analysis of how things have all gone wrong so far. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by Covert Ford. The coverts have been meeting the needs of local car buyers for 114 years because of their service, financial expertise, and support after the sale. In addition to supporting
1: car buyers, Covert's an important part of the
0: soccer community and the official automotive partner of Austin FC. You can unlock huge savings, up to $13,486 off on the 2023 Ford F-150 XLT at Covert Ford Lincoln. You can discover the epitome of strength and elegance with the 2023 Ford F-150 XLT. This is stock number 2230514. Offer valid only with approved Ford credit. Not everyone will qualify for factory pricing. Manufacture rebate restricted to Texas residents. Offer valid only for this specific stock number and while supplies last. See dealer for details, and this expires on October 2nd, so get on it. It's a smoking hot deal. Get yourself in a big Ford F-150XLT. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, be sure to check out CoverFord.com. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by Sage Wilson Realty. Thanks to Sage Wilson Realty, we'll be giving away two tickets to an upcoming match, so fill out the form in the show notes to enter for your chance to win. And One of the people that I ran into on the uh, concourse outside the Lexus Club when we were waiting out what we thought may be a mild rainstorm was Eric Wilson, So he's really appreciated the response from the fans um, and had a chance to give away some tickets. And so it was good to chat with him. I hadn't seen him in a little while.
1: Again, this is made possible by Sage Wilson Realty. So if you're someone you know or in need of Sage Real Estate advice in Austin, talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Realty. Be sure to check them out online at sagewilson.com. All right, we are back. Jeremiah, let's take a look at where Austin FC sits in the table now and what playoff hopes kind of look like at this moment. So Austin is in 12th place on 35 points. FC Dallas is in 9th place on 39 points. So they're kind of the the last in the door at this point in time. As far as looking at the other teams kind of in the in that pack right now, several of them have been doing Austin favors by losing and drawing most of their games so far. So I think there's some results that had they gone other way for certain teams, like Austin would be in even dire, more dire straits at this point, but because the other teams kind of seem like they don't want to make the playoffs
0: either. There is still a chance that this could happen, right? Right. I mean, the only bad thing about Dallas is Dallas does have one game at hand on Austin. So it's, 39 versus 35 uh, with Dallas having played one less match. But absolutely, uh, Minnesota United, LA Galaxy. So Austin and LA Galaxy entered uh, the match on Sunday night in 12th and 13th and ended it in 12th and 13th. So they're not making up any ground. Um, It's a possibility. I think one thing that may help Austin, although it would be awful to need three points on the road on decision day, but this San Jose Earthquakes match with San Jose currently being in eighth in um, Austin and six points ahead of Austin, but to have Austin having played one less game, maybe there's an opportunity there. That would be super stressful for that to matter as much as it might.
1: Yeah, so looking at like what Austin needs to do, there are, is it four games left? Is that right? Four, yes. Four games left. We were saying before that they probably needed three wins and a draw. They've now gotten two draws. And so... If we're going with kind of that same line, uh, I think it's still likely that they need at least two more wins to even have a hope of sneaking in tonight and maybe still three wins
0: out of these four games. And these four games are Colorado on Saturday on the road, DC United on Wednesday, October 4th at home, LAFC on October 7th, which is one where they've really been struggling too lately. So maybe there's points available there that one may think about maybe don't have anything to play for at that point too. Possibly. Right. And then the, then the San Jose match we talked about on the final day of the season.
1: Yeah. So San Jose is almost certainly going to have something to play for, whether it be uh, their playoff lives or trying to fight for a higher seed or try to get out of those play-in rounds. So like San Jose is going to be motivated. Some of these other ones, I mean, yeah, DC's there for the taking. Uh, Colorado is now officially been eliminated from the playoffs and, are have been just very clearly the worst team in the league this season. So that is another one. Like they should win this one, but with the way things have been going, like how are you feeling about that?
0: <laughs> I don't know. And I really, by Austin has been such a better team at home than on the road. Like I like never expect more than one point on the road. I don't think is a good result. Um, from here on out. So yeah, let's. You want to talk about Colorado a little bit?
1: Yeah, for sure. So they are currently in last place in the West. As I just mentioned, they're officially mathematically eliminated from making the playoffs. They have 22 points. Uh, they have only scored 21 goals this season. If you look at kind of like the, the hierarchy here of goals for Austin FC sits and they have 22 more goals than the Colorado Rapids. <laughs> double, more than
0: double in Colorado, yeah.
1: <laughs> and so, I mean, yeah, they've just been really awful. They have nothing to play for. Their top scorer is, I think, their left back and a central midfielder. Their top assist getter is also that same central midfielder as Connor Ronan, who is a player. I haven't watched a ton of him this year, but when he joined last season, it's a player I, I liked a lot. Uh, they've been missing Jack Price, who is a big, a big spot there. Um, Kevin Cabral got brought in last year, looked okay for a bit, but I think hasn't for a long time now. Uh, Diego Rubio is a player who had some really hot moments the last couple of years. I think he started the this year injured and then just hasn't done much since he's come back. And so, I mean, it's a team that's there for the taking. Like if Austin wants to, to get some points and, get any type of like good feeling back like this is the moment to do it and if they if they lose this one or even draw this one i think that's like it's mathematically not the last nail in the coffin but it's
0: definitely not the first nail in the coffin right i mean if they draw this when you're almost looking at like austin having to win all three matches for the end of the season with a team that has shown no inclination to do that did you see that tom bogart is writing a like a review of every team as they get knocked out of the Oh, yeah. So he just debuted that today. So the Colorado Rapids um, article came out. I thought it was interesting. He, his position is that like only Andrew Gutman and uh, Ronan would be starting for anybody else um, at this point in time just because of how bad they've been overall. And they've got a really bad owner. They don't spend a lot of money. So if Austin's going to pick up a win, this seems like a great time to do it. Yeah, and looking at Austin's side of it, Sebastian Juicy comes out
1: of the Galaxy game late, holding the back of his of his leg as if it were a hamstring thing. He looked distraught, whether it be from pain or just knowing like this is bad and I'm going to not be ready to go immediately after this one. So um, Austin going into these last little stretch of games with several guys injured. So Zardes didn't. Uh, wasn't suited up for this last one. Hedges wasn't suited up for this last one, and then if Treacy is out, like it gets a little more dire. Even then, so I don't know. Like, what? How does this team line up without
0: Treacy in the in the eleven? So then it comes down to like who, basically, who takes Treacy's spot? And you're assuming that the other guys aren't back either. Yeah, I mean let's let's assume Zardes is not back. Um, that's that's really what i was asking if is not back um i don't know do you I mean alex ring has been pretty strong in the attack you look play alex ring further up the field which we know he kind of likes but yeah i I also think not been great at times playing
1: i think in either formation i think that is probably the most logical answer is if it's the 433 you play uh maybe valencia Pereira, and ring in those middle three if it's the box midfield you play Valencia and Pereira deep you play ring and uh Finley or Rodriguez or whoever as that other like kind of flex winger attacking midfielder and then whoever's not playing there playing as the other winger and have Gallagher kind of playing is that that Flex wing back winger position so and then uh, Regoni if if there's not another striker available playing play him at striker if there is move him into that attacking mid spot or or the wing spot. And so I feel like it slots in pretty naturally. I don't think there's a lot of tough decisions, but the end product is probably still lackluster no matter
0: what. Right. Even in a kind of down year, Druzy is producing more than any other player. We have kind of touched on this, but like, what do you think about the uh, Rigoni at the nine? I think we got a question maybe from, Twitter X about that. Like, is that an experiment you just go ahead and run out for the rest of the year to see if it works or
1: I wouldn't be mad. Yeah. I wouldn't be mad about that because he's looked decent at it. I mean, he still has like, if, if his set piece form continues and he's putting in decent service on corners and stuff like that, he's worth having on the field. Uh, He's still able to drop in and kind of do link up play like Zardes does. And like, Drew, maybe does a little too much whenever he's playing as the nine, but then can, stretch that back line is decent enough size to be a presence in the box. And so like, I don't, he's not the perfect fit, but um, like nobody is. And even as, as good as Zardes is at certain things, he's also just too old and slow to be completely reliable or effective all the time. And so like Rigoni is maybe our best bet there at this point, even if the others are healthy. Uh, I, Jeremiah, I think we've kind of covered all we needed to.
0: Do you have any final thoughts on the games before we move on? I mean, I just, maybe it's cause I'm eternally an optimist, but we have these talks, you know, on Monday night, every week. And then I just hope that there's a nice three nil victory over the Rapids and things break right. And Austin's closer to the playoff position than, than they are now. And we'll be in a much like cheerier mood than we are right now about how things are going.
1: Yeah, I didn't fully realize this, but there's an international break before decision day. And so we're going to have two weeks off and then play that last game. And if we're already eliminated from the playoffs, that's going to be such a brutal two weeks waiting for this one more pointless game. To have to talk about and cover and pay attention to before the offseason comes, because I think at this point, we're all understandably a little bit looking forward to the off season.
0: Yeah we're, yeah, we're a little bit right. We're a little bit ready for like the middle to late part of December when you get all the player allocations and free agency and like all those things. Um, so we could see sort of Rodolfo Burrell and what he's going to build during this offseason when there's going to be a bunch of guys coming off the books that make a fair amount of money um, and a big chance to overhaul this roster. That's right.
1: All right. Well, I think we can wrap it up before we do that. I would like to remind listeners to rate review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we haven't, uh, we haven't done this in a while where we, where we uh, yeah, make a a donation for every review that we get. So if whatever podcast app or or whatever you're listening to this, if you can leave a written review, go on there, do it. We're going to count all of the ones that we do over the, how long do
0: you want to say Jeremiah? Let's say between now and the end of October, a little over a month.
1: Okay, we're going to donate $5 to uh, Community First Village, which is where where the money from the Fighting poyo Pills and all associated merchandise is going to be going. We're going to pitch into that as well. So every review that we receive, we'll throw $5 towards that same cause. Uh, so yeah, uh, help us out, and then we'll be helping out Community First Village as well. Uh, if you want to continue the conversation, come find us on Twitter at ElviaHero87 and jbentley underscore ATX and then at Moontower Soccer on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And then uh, we'll be looking out for more regular content from us on, on all of these fronts. It might be a little slow working it up, but we're going to have more of that happening in the near future. And then sign up for our Patreon. We greatly appreciate your support, and then uh, also appreciate you supporting our friend Phil West at his Substack, which is Verde All Day. Substack. slash Moon Tower, and that slash Moon Tower at the end will get you a twenty percent discount there.
0: Thanks, so and much for- you know, Phil, Phil Phil's doing good stuff, and I think there's no better summary of the value that Phil provides than this headline from his last article, which is "Here's some quotes I gathered between 15 a.m. and two fifteen a.m. last night for a match that went very, very late." So. Phil's burning the midnight, post-midnight oil for for you to to give you good Austin FC content. God bless you, Phil. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week to review
1: the Colorado Rapids match, and we'll preview uh midweek game against DC United, and then the one in the following weekend against LAFC, and then we'll cover any other Austin FC news that comes up. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one
2: for nothings so you never
0: La gente... oh my God